Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Danger Room, the X-Men Comics Commentary Podcast. My name's Adam. My name is Jeremy. And we're here for X-Men Uncanny number 280, uh, the end of the Murile saga. This one's got a cover date of September 1991, on sale date of July 2nd, 1991, cover price of a dollar, and it's titled One Step Back. Two steps forward. Uh, that's that's uh, pretty uh, forgiving. <laughs> yeah. No Chris Claremont in this issue. No, he's off busy doing uh, his last three issues of X-Men, presumably. Yeah. And, and the question remains, as this issue is being written and drawn, does Chris Claremont know he's out? Or is he like, I can't wait to start a whole new X-Men saga with my buddy Jim Lee with X-Men number one. By this point, he's got to know. I mean, you know, he's he's got three more months on the book. I imagine comics are well in advance of that. So they're probably already working on issue four. And they probably have already told him, hey, you're not well, working on issue four. I guess what I mean is, as this issue is being written and drawn, sort of regardless of, of where it was, you know, actually physically released and whatnot, is he still in the mindset of like, we're going to do big things? Obviously, when this issue probably debuts, he's probably like, well, that was fun. I don't know. It's a good question. Like, did they tell him, well, we're taking you off of Uncanny and we're going to put you on X-Men. X-Men. But then we're just going to take you right off of X-Men. I can't imagine. But that. if I'm Chris Claremont, I'm like... Well, I can write both. <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah. And then they're like, well, yeah, we know, but we, we want to get some new blood in there. Yeah, we got Fabian Nicesia, and he's he's got, he's got he's going places. He's got ideas. So, yeah, it's a, it's a you know, from a from a T-shirt, you know, the, the T-shirt test, it's a good cover. I mean, it's not great, but uh, the, the layout of Cyclops kind of in agony blasting upward as he's holding what looks like a dead professor with a couple of X-Men looking on. It's a it's a it's a good layout. I'm not going to say it's terribly well executed. Wolverine looks good. Rogue looks good. Who drew this cover? Oh, There's no signature. Good. It kind of looks like it's Jim Lee like. I'm going to guess that it's going to be uh, uh, Andy Kubert probably, because Andy Kubert I think follows the school of Jim Lee. But this is if this is Andy or Adam Kubert, this is. Is drawing to look like Jim Lee because this doesn't look like Adam or Andy Kubert. It looks more like Jim Lee, but not enough like Jim Lee to. I mean, it, maybe it's Jim Lee with a different inker, but oh, it, it doesn't appear to be in, in the style of the Kuberts. I don't know because I always thought Andy Kubert or Adam Kubert, probably Andy Kubert. I get my Kuberts mixed up. I always felt like he was going for a Jim Lee style. And then sort of works into his own uh, style at some point. Because, like, this issue, I think, has elements of Jim Lee. It's not not quite as good. It doesn't have the signature Jim Lee stuff. But definitely that sort of 90s stylized artwork is happening in this issue. I like the Huberts in general. Oh, yeah. Same they're, here. They're good. They're good. That was one of the reasons that I kept going. Because I think Andy Kubert stays on Uncanny X-Men for a while, I think. I think so, yeah. It might be that they both take one of the books. Could be. I know one of them gets on to uh, Wolverine for a while. Maybe Wolverine's like a testing ground. Although, I don't know, moving Sylvester over to there doesn't make any sense if that's true. I don't know. 
He's already been tested. This says, uh, I don't even know what this word means. Pyrrhic, P-Y-R-R-H-I-C. This feels like... Uh, I'm going to look it up. Fabian Nicieza using his vocab. He does this sometimes. His thesaurus. Like, what's another word? P-Y-R-R-H-I-C. Um, it is related to a victory. It is one at too great a cost to have been worthwhile to the victor. I'm going to have to pyric. Oh, yeah. Learn to the, pronounce. Uh, how does the dictionary pronounce it? P- pyric. Pyric. P- well, the emphasis on is on P-E-E. Pyric. Yeah. Uh, my audio settings aren't aren't set to let me hear what the actual Google pronunciation is, but Pyrrhic victory, I think, is how that's pronounced. I would have definitely gone with Pyrrhic. My internet pronounces it as Pyrrhic. Pyrrhic? Pyrrhic. Hmm. Okay. That's fine. We'll go with Pyrrhic. <laughs> this has been Grammar Lessons with Adam and Jeremy. <laughs> Guessing at words. Uh, and I guess it's a Pyrrhic victory. I mean... No. <laughs> kind of I is. mean... There's one thing that goes wrong. Otherwise, this is like... Two things that go wrong, I think. This is the easiest victory ever. Well, absolutely. I mean, you know. We're just filling pages to try to get to the end point where we, we win the day and there's a consequence. But uh, as, as as far as losses go, uh, yeah, I don't I don't really... I, there's only really one yeah. that I can think of. Maybe, you, maybe you'll enlighten me with the second one. But uh, yeah, I'm in... Not going to say the victory wasn't challenging. It was certainly convoluted. <laughs> but uh, let, let's get into it. So the island blew up last time we saw them in X Factor number whatever, uh, and it turns out everybody's okay. Uh, the professor and some troopers—they've got some armor that protected them, uh, and the rest of the X Men at the last moment were protected by uh, Jean Grey's telekinetic shield. So the professor wasn't on the island, so. This this armor is after the explosion. Sure, he puts on. He gets his team together. This is presumably psychic protection armor. Sure, yeah, yeah. That's probably what it is. Protect against the effects of the Shadow King. We get our credits here. Fabian Nicieza is the writer. You know, I guess one one more pour pour another drink out for uh for Chris Claremont. Uh, Andy Kubert with Stephen Butler are the pencilers, and I can definitely tell that there's definitely a, a trade off in artwork. Um. Styles, I should say. Inks are us, is the inkers. Joe Rosas is the colors. Tom Arzakowski is the letter. Bob Harris, Shadow Prince. And Tom DeFalco is the boss. Um, the Shadow King, well, uh, Detective Reese's body is, is disintegrated, is gone. He's dead. But the Shadow King at the last moment was able to jump into and completely corrupt David Holler, a.k.a. Legion. And now he's in control of everything. So I got two questions. Why is Colossus there? Because uh, Colossus was with the good guys. I guess X Factor's there too. Yeah, I think everybody's like you know Banshee's there, Rogue's there, Forge is there. Presumably Wolverine is here somewhere. But yeah, well, he's right. He's right, oh, in, he's the right in the foreground. But those were all the guys that had been sort of converted back to good people. I don't actually yeah. remember where Colossus was in the last issue because I think I thought he stayed back on the ship with. But I could be wrong. Mystique was on the ship with the professor. Yeah. Let's just assume... In the that, guise of Valerie Cooper. Yeah, let's just assume that as Detective Reese sort of revealed himself, 
uh, Colossus ran outside the ship and then it blew up. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, I don't think that's how any of it actually occurred. We had a little callback of like, well, that was a good trick that you had there. Valerie Cooper disguised as Myst- or Mystique disguised as Valerie Cooper. Uh, my second question is, why is Rogue dressed in her Savage Land outfit? Oh, what was she wearing last issue in the X Factor? Was it her I feel Rogue like she outfit? She was just wearing regular clothes. This is, you know, this is comics, right? Uh, her her costume was strategically blown up to give us maximum sexiness without oh, being oh, right. I mean, that's <laughs> oh. that's my guess of what. From an art standpoint, I was like, I want to draw sexy rogue. Right. But why is it specifically like it looks like she just stepped out of the Savage Land? It's just the way her clothes disintegrate. It's the last issue of uh, X Men that Andy Kubert looked at, and he's like, "Well, I guess that's what Rogue's wearing these days." And he drew it up, and like, whatever. I got time to put on my Savage Land outfit. <laughs> uh, yep. And so we get a recap of the island blowing up and Marvel Girl protecting. Uh, everybody the professor's narrating the majority of this opening is like there's nothing i can do about these humans i'll try everything i can uh but my son's corrupted and then immediately uh one of the soldiers tries to shoot legion who deflects the bullet and kills the two soldiers so they're taken care of we cut to uh nick fury who apparently is on a helicopter that can is connected to these uh two soldiers so he can hear them die and he says uh, have the families of the cease agents informed immediately, but more importantly, he's wearing sunglasses with the eye patch side blocked out. I've it's seen I've seen stupid. this look before. <laughs> Haven't you seen this look before? I feel like I have. I don't know. I don't like it. it I, why wouldn't he just wear the eye patch under regular glasses? Or is that what is being depicted here? And I'm just not seeing it. No, I I think it's one darkened out lens. Yeah. In the in the third panel on, on this page, what is it, four or five, it, it kind of looks like he's wearing bifocals because there's a line that goes on the clear lens. Yeah. He's an old Maybe. man. He probably has bifocals. Maybe he is. Yeah, he could be. Need this for reading and need this for seeing. Yeah. He complains about Russian cigarettes uh, because Colonel Vashin, I guess, is here. We don't see him. And he was in the last issue, so... They presumably they're in a Russian ship, maybe or something. At any rate, they're getting nukes ready. Yeah. Weapons unit code six six six. Begin preparation for a tactical nuclear strike. I, and I read this issue yesterday, and this doesn't go anywhere. No, we don't ever oh. get back to these guys. Because <laughs> to me, like this is a little cliche, but it's definitely it's the stakes, right? The, yeah, now, yeah. It's we're a new, the stakes. It's a new ticking time bomb, right? You got the ticking time bomb of Legion, the Shadow King, and now oh, Nick Fury. Like if the X Men can't take this problem, we're just going to nuke the island because the planet is is at risk, and this is my job to save the Earth. So you have to have sort of like the fighter jets are coming in, the X Men and X Factor are maybe at their lowest point, and if they can't solve the problem, they're just going to get nuked, and then they do, and then maybe they have to do a little convincing of the jet fighter pilot because he's beyond the point of no return. None of that. None of that happens. It's just we call this out, and I don't think we ever talk about it again. Which is unfortunate because if you're like me, you read this page, you're like, oh, Nick Fury, and then you went as soon as the action started, you forgot there was a Nick Fury page. <laughs> right. Sunglasses I- and all. I feel like Nick Fury is n- never in the issue. Uh, I might be wrong about that, but I don't think he is. I mean, he might show up at the end in like a heroic pose. 
So the professor, I don't think so. And uh, Legion, they do a little bit of uh, telepathic fighting. I've never been a physical fighter, and now it would appear I will never have the chance to become with. It is over, Charles. Daddy. <laughs> the professor probes Legion telepathically because he's looking for um, a shadow, if if anything, of David Holler. And he's like, what, are you surprised? You're surprised to find that David actually likes it? It can't be. You're corrupting him, body and soul. Well, thank goodness Fabian Nicesia took that line from Chris Claremont. <laughs> Always want to hear about bodies and souls. You know, you got a template to work from. Thirty years of of dialogue. You hope he uses some of it. Uh, and then Rogue, or not Rogue, Storm shoots Legion, Legion in, the in the back, back with a lightning bolt, and she shouts, "Lightning bolt!" And his body, I guess, is broken. I think he's mostly in control of his body with his powers. And he's like, "Well, I got to go. You hurt me." I need to recuperate. This body needs a chance to recuperate. And then he disappears. He telepathically clears the ground beneath us, accessing a hatchway to the underground portions of Moira's laboratory. Okay, so he went through a hatch. He's escaped, Storm surmises. <laughs> the professor says we need the respite as much as everybody else. Um, it's, it's a good example of this this issue having a lot of unnecessary dialogue. We don't need Storm to say he has escaped. And there's a lot of that, of, mm-hmm. like, we don't need somebody to say that. Right. And so we've got a bunch of X-Men and X-Factor kind of hanging out. Um, Cyclops derives a plan, which we'll learn about here in a moment. The first step of his plan should be, like, Rogue, go get some clothes. Yeah. Well, and then you see Wolverine there. He's got his claws popped out, and there's a bunch of clothes in his claws. So I think Wolverine in the fray was like... Chopping up Rogue's outfit. Maybe. The dirty perv. Who is he? Who is he slicing up? I don't know. He just has random bits of clothing on his claws or string or whatever it is. This seems like a Wolverine thing. Yeah, let me just draw him with his claws popped out. And And last we saw him, he was held in the thrall of the uh, Legion hanging, slash Shadow King hanging in the air. Not sure who he slashed. Maybe when he landed, he was like, Arr, slashy. He's kind of looking at his claws like, huh, where did these come from? (laughs) (laughs) So then Legion pops into the underground uh, fortress or whatever where where Lorna is, which doesn't really make any sense because last X-Factor issue, Moira was between worlds, right? She was between the astral plane and between the physical plane as like this conduit. And now it's depicted as if she's just in the laboratory. Well, you know, she's she's also in a physical location. Yeah. So it made it seem in the X Factor issue that she had she was beyond the physical plane, like somewhere in between. I don't know, corporeal or discorporated or whatever. But this is just well, like here she is. That was before Legion Shadow King got uh, lightning bolted by Storm. Sure. Now, now she's back. <laughs> Let's just assume that they the link to the to the to the to Polaris is weekend or something. Okay, that works. Uh, Lorna talks back a little bit. She's like, you're dying, Legion. Let it go. Let him go. And uh, she, he smacks her across the face. He's like, no, I need Xavier to die. Ashes in the wind. To me, my puppets. And that's when Multiple Man and Siren and Moira and Psylocke and Guido and Gambit and Jubilee appear. Uh, I guess mobilizing. Yeah. <laughs> and... Uh, 
Oh, Marvel Unlimited is installing an update. <laughs> that oh, was, that's fun. It was unfortunate timing. Well, in the meantime, I'll just tell you what happens. You read it, you know. Uh, the professor is lining up with the. He's like, they have they, the plan is that the professor is going to face the Shadow King in the uh, a- astral plane. plane. Is that what it's called? It's, yeah, yeah, the astral, the astral plane. And uh, the, he's going to be protected by really the 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 probably the most powerful X Men for some reason. So Wolverine's got a panel where he's got his claws popped out, and he says, "I don't like this one bit." Which, who is he threatening? Yeah, that feels so unnecessary. It's like the artist just drew this and Fabian DCAs is like, why is Wolverine here? <laughs> All right, I guess I'll just have him say we don't, I don't like this one bit. Which is fine. Wolverine can do that. But it's the, it's sort of the cliche thing of like, Wolverine's mad. Make sure that he's pointing his claws at everybody, letting everybody know that he's mad. And that just doesn't seem, doesn't seem in character for Wolverine. I wonder what the intention of the artist actually was. To, like, I want to draw Wolverine with claws popped out. Maybe he was like, his, he's he's saying, let's go get some Shadow King. Yeah, yeah. Let uh, uh, I'm tired of sitting around. Uh, let's let's go get some, let's do some action. So, right. So, as you said, uh, some X-Men are going to guard the professor's body while he's on the astral plane. And some other X-Men are going to go and try to find Legion, Legion on the physical plane. Uh, so... Do so it. Cyclops, uh, Colossus, Storm, Gene, and Archangel stay behind to protect the professor, which seems like, I don't know, that's a lot of protection. But I guess I guess they're really worried about the professor. And Rogue, Forge, Wolverine, uh, Banshee, and Iceman, Iceman go to see if they can find Polaris. So strategically, I think what the right thing to do here is probably leave Colossus behind for physical defense, Wolverine behind for sort of the early alert system, uh, I can smell somebody or whatever, and then you need to leave maybe Iceman, Storm, or Cyclops, one of them, somebody who can shoot projectiles, uh, and then send everybody else. To- and Jean Grey's got to stay behind because she needs to be like a connection to right, the right. professor. But, uh, well, anyway, so the professor goes into the astral plane. He dons a suit of astral armor, which I think is a callback to yeah, we've seen this before. A classic X-Men or a classic issue of X-Men. I don't remember which. I don't remember which either. X-Men, I'm going to say it's an X-Men classic, but it could have just been a regular issue. Yeah. Uh, and the Shadow King, he is here. He's much larger. He's also in his own suit of armor. And the professor's like, oh, my gosh, has he just been getting stronger and stronger as he's been in this astral plane? Thriving off of hatred. And as you predicted, the first thing he does is break the professor's legs in the physical world. Is it somehow. his legs? or Oh, it is his legs. Yeah. I thought Dear it was Lord, his-, his body is convulsing. Those were his bones. His legs are breaking. Yeah, I thought it was his back, but... His physical body is reacting to the psychic assaults. That's fine. We can only hope. So this is, I mean, so this is the first Pyrrhic event. Because, and this is why I thought it was his back, because I think this leads to him not being able to walk anymore. Puts him back in the wheelchair. But that doesn't make any sense. Like, you can break your legs, (laughs) get some casts, and then be walking again, you know, in, in in the matter of a couple of months. Oh, but we're not done, because the X-Men don't know what to do, and all they can do is stand outside at this point. Right. And just hope that it get, things get better. Right. 
And so the other X-Men, they go inside uh, to try to confront the corrupted X-Men. Here we get another unnecessary line where Forge says motion detectors are picking up movement. They're engaging in a perimeter surround. And Wolverine says, I smelled them three minutes ago. Right. Yeah, could have mentioned that. Right. Three minutes ago, <laughs> like our Wolverine three minutes ago would have been like, uh, quiet, everybody. I smell them. <laughs> Not holding information to himself being like, I'm better than your machines, which is basically <laughs> yeah, what this exactly. line is saying. I already knew that, Forge. Na 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 na. So, yeah, these corrupted X-Men attack uh, Gambit. Uh, attacks Wolverine because we need to have, I guess, this rematch between Gambit and Wolverine. Uh, multiple man and his multiple men attack Forge, Beast, and Iceman. Iceman throws up an ice shield, so he did something this issue, but he's trapped Gambit and Wolverine on the other side of the ice wall. So that they can have a real mano a mano. Banshee hears his daughter Siren and goes after her. Mm-hmm. Do we ever even see the out? come of that yeah forge puts the little inhibitor thing on oh yeah point. that's right okay but, yeah it's uh so then wolverine and gambit fight wolverine uh, wins this time yeah it's very uh i don't know anticlimactic it's it's a fight and gambit's like i already beat you twice you're not you're still not very good and then wolverine's like uh, I got you pinned with my claws. Don't ask for the third claw. It'll go straight through your neck. And then we just cut away and we never see Gambit again. Right. Well, this problem has been solved. Yeah. I don't know. I, I felt, feel like if you're going to do a knockdown drag out rematch with Gambit and Wolverine, you you give a couple more pages of it. Maybe you get rid of that whole Nick uh, Fury subplot. Yes, agreed. Just to give like another page and a half. Uh, okay, so here's where it's happening. So the professor's now still in the uh, astral plane battling the Shadow King. He says he's being crushed inside and out. So more of his bones and internals are being ground up. Uh, and then the physical side, we hear a bunch of noises. Gene says his body is being ground into shards. We have to stop this. There's only one way to help him, isn't there, says Storm, who could have thought of this idea like 20 minutes ago. But I guess I guess now, after after his uh, back and arms are also breaking, she's finally realizing the gravity of this situation. The legs weren't enough. She's like, I don't need I don't I shouldn't mention this. Right. And she mentions that as though all the X-Men also already know it. And Gene does. We must go inside with him into the astral plane. So it's like, why did we wait? Um, Yeah. The Professor's legs broke. That's when we should have gone in. Well, the professor, or at least some of us, the professor specifically said, "Like guard my body, blah blah blah. I'll do this inside." But then when he gets inside, he realizes that the Shadow King is way more powerful than he imagined. But you're right. You know, I if they can send a couple of X Men in, or all of the X Men in, they they should send just send some two, just send in Storm and Jean because they got the idea right. And then they, but instead, Gene, and I guess because of all the bones are broken, they decided to send everybody in. Yep. Seems like, I don't know, leave Archangel to guard. He seems the best. Him or Colossus, probably Archangel, though, because like, yeah. he can shoot. He can, he can shoot with the wings. He can use the wings as a, like a like a physical shield. Uh, but they all go in. Uh, the professor is getting beaten up. Well, they all go in, and Legion's like standing right there. Nobody notices that. Uh, where's Legion? Oh, behind him, yes. Yep. Yeah. 
And so they, these X-Men that have gone into the astral plane, they spring into action. Uh, then back in the real world, this is where... Well, I guess Banshee doesn't hit up Siren, does she? He, he, Teresa, come out of hiding, will ye? And then Moira shoots him with a gun, and then Ford shoots her with a gun. This is, this, is a t- this is actually a nice moment. It's a touching moment where she finally sort of regains herself because she gets hit by the the forge gun and she's like, oh, Sean, it's been so long. I'm so sorry. Right? Because she's been in this corrupted state for a really long time. Yeah. And so the indication here is that she's sort of known that this has been happening, but she's not been able to do anything about it. And now she's finally released from the control. Sean's like, yeah, yeah, it's all right now, lass. It's not over yet, Cassidy, says Forge. And then Rogue answers, no kidding, because she's there, I guess. Uh, Guido is sneaking up on them, maybe? So maybe just nobody noticed that Guido was sneaking up and Rogue jumps in and punches him out. Guido, Guido's all yours, beastie boy. Beast says, Guido, huh? We must really be tipping out of silly names to call ourselves, no? Which is a good line. And then Forge says, you're one to talk, Beast, which is another unnecessary line. <laughs> now, you call him Guido, I call him Guido. Either way. I, I, I don't care. You're you're probably right. No, and I'm either, probably right. Either way, <laughs> maybe this isn't his superhero name. Maybe his name is actually Guido. I think his name is actually, I'll go with yours, Guido. Yeah. So. Or maybe his name is Guido and his superhero name is Guido. Oh, we could go with that. <laughs> Wolverine is hunting down Jubilee, and Wolverine's like, I ain't going to fight you. I can't. Uh, and she's like, oh, you're going to join us. I'm so happy. I didn't want to fight you no matter what I was told. And he's like, yep, I lied. And he hits her across the face? Yeah, I would have rather that this not happen. I would rather that Wolverine has like like the shot thing that he got from Forge. And this is a trick to get close enough so that he can like hit her with that to bring her back to reality. But instead, he... It, he, pun- he just basically punches pun- punch- Yeah, sucker. I, I don't like it. I don't like it either. But I guess that's what happened. The whole thing is kind of weird. It's like, why is why does Jubilee the only one who's like, I really don't want to fight no matter what I'm told. It's like nobody else feels like that. It's a bit out of character from what we've seen in the last few issues. And it just doesn't seem like Wolverine would no, ever do that. I don't think. No, not at all. He would find another way. Yeah. So the X-Men continue in the astral plane fighting the Shadow King. Legion is now outside of the actual body and apparently has lift is lift teleporting or uh, uh, lifting it up into the air. Yeah. Where are the rest of the X-Men? Where are their physical bodies? Uh, they're slumped on the ground underneath the professor. Okay. I don't know. I don't know what happens when you go into the physic into the uh, astral plane. You'd slump over, right? I would imagine, right, yeah. If your students take one step closer, I'll crush your physical body completely. The professor says stop them no matter what it takes. And we flip back over to, uh, yeah, this is this is where it ends. <laughs> Siren's down with a little extra TLC. So we didn't get to see Siren in action, but she is unconscious now, knocked out by Iceman, who is then struck from behind by Psylocke. Feels like the X the the enemy X Men are striking one at a time, which just doesn't seem like a good plan. It's like ah, well that guy got knocked out. Now it's my turn. 
oh, that guy got knocked out. Now it's my turn. I mean, maybe you're supposed to know that all of this is happening at the same time. Doesn't really feel like that, though. Let's chalk it up to the Shadow King is stretched really thin right now. And so the attacks from the bad X-Men are because of the pushes, the okay. random amounts of pushes that the Shadow King can give. Because you're right, it doesn't really make much sense. But Psylocke, yeah, knocks out Iceman, and she's going to do the same thing to everybody else, but then... We get we get an ominous... Uh, well, Banshee says, Psylocke laughs, ye of all people surely can fight against the king's control, and she says, perhaps I'd rather not. Right. We simply don't have time for this anymore, B says, and that's when Forge is like, all right, cool, and then uh, hits Psylocke with the the uncontrol synaptic scrambler and then uses her psychic knife which is already out to psychically hit Lorna Dane in the head which I guess breaks the link uh, and solves the problem which is makes sense honestly I mean I liked it it's I, I liked using her exposed psychic knife to take out the problem it, it is a solution that you know usually you get a solution that is like oh that was dumb this actually made sense. I'm not going to say it's dumb. I just think it kind of comes out of nowhere where it's like, well, how are we going to end this thing? It happens very quickly. Like, right. oh, Psylocke's here. Oh, yeah, it's useful. I guess I, yeah, <laughs> But right. it is a good solution. I would have much rather had something uh, crafted in the story of like Forge or somebody reasoning that, okay, if Lorna Dane is the conduit and the Shadow King's on one side, Legion is on the other side, the professor's being, his body's being demolished. We need to be able to break that link psychically. Jean is not here. The professor's not here. Who else do we get? Psylocke. Psylocke and her psychic knife. Okay, but she's corrupted, right? If we can learn that information sort of early on the issue, and the majority of the issue is kind of fighting through the bad X-Men, trying to find your way to Psylocke, that I think would have been a little bit more interesting and exciting, but... Here it's just like, oh, here's a solution. Let's just use it. Zap. Yeah. Okay. No, problem the, solved. The, the methodology is not uh, amazing. Yeah. But I still like the solution. The solution's fine. Uh, and so the yeah, and then immediately the Shadow King's like, no, oh, so close, and he's getting sucked back into the astral plane. Got to wrap up the issue. Yeah. Like boom, boom, boom. Legion is uh back in control of himself, but he collapses to the ground because he was pretty beaten up from some of the stuff that happened earlier probably storm i blame storm for this storm murdered legion maybe (laughs) Uh, and then everybody comes back from the astral plane the professor's like oh we did it my body's all broken uh i'm glad i saved everybody the professor says at the end i offered him a chance for redemption but he chose the void i i don't recall that nope no but i guess it happened off the panel but at what price professor it worked. Son of a gun. Psych blade short-circuited. The Nexus completely says Forge. Polaris has been through a ringer, but she's alive. Rogue in a throwaway line says, is it my imagination or does it look like she's shrunk? Callback. So, does that mean she has her powers back? Or I'm going to guess that that whole Zaladane Savage Land thing has been undone with this one little line. <laughs> Wolverine consults Jubilee and another thing that I'm like, uh, no. You don't like this? No, because I don't because the setup was so tainted that I don't like this. Okay. It's like why is why is she crying? She's been through enough. 
Uh, well, I mean, yeah, she, she, as Wolverine says, you've seen the dark side of yourself. It's not pretty. Just let it go, which that's probably not great advice. Like <laughs> talk through <laughs> it. Let's get yourself some help. You're going to need to probably, you know, do some meditation. Just let it go is, is generally not good mental advice. But anyways, uh, you know, what it would be nice is this panel, maybe with Jubilee's head in, uh, Wolverine's chest, not crying out. And no words. I, I agree. The, the The problem, or not the problem, the thing that stuck out for me most about this panel is she's kind of in that helpless damsel in distress sexy pose. <laughs> and I don't know, it's like, that's kind of weird. So your depiction there, maybe tight, tight in there, her head in Wolverine's chest, Wolverine just kind of like comforting her, but some line or no line, doesn't matter. Also, we never got... Uh... A panel of her getting cured. So I mean, we're guys. We're just assuming that I think Ford did a runaround. And uh, I'm going to assume that uh, by severing the link with Polaris, the Shadow King was sucked back into wherever it is he came from. And okay, that's good. That's yeah. valid. Yeah. And then everything was lifted, and everybody's fine. Okay, I like that. Professor Moira and the others, Colossus says, they're all well, scared, scarred in spirit, but they will recover. And you. Sir, sadly, my fate is different. My back is shattered, a parting gift from the Shadow King. It appears if I'm ever able to achieve my dream, I will need all of you to walk me there. The end and a new beginning. <laughs> this is definitely not the way Chris Claremont envisioned this story wrapping up. No, he was going out like, what is this, issue 280? So probably wouldn't have made it to 300. But like, you know. It had gone on for a little bit longer. I mean, yeah, it definitely wouldn't have been a four-parter that had right. gotten scooped up from underneath him. This is definitely something that that could have been, uh, you know, fractured X Men, right? And and the core X Men team continued doing the things that they do, meeting like actual bad guys, and then maybe having to deal with some of the bad X Men over the course of some issues before ultimately getting to probably a two or three part conclusion rather than let's get this crap over with. We've got another series to launch. And there probably would have been a buildup of the shadow Kings kind of attack on the public. Right. Right. It starts happening small in small doses and then gets bigger and bigger and people start to notice it. And uh, you, you sort of make the connection over a few issues that, Oh, this is, this is a thing. This isn't just a one-off. Right. Kind of like the analogy I made to Inferno, which like it or not like that, had the right buildup like weird things were just happening randomly in various issues but the superheroes were doing their normal superheroing stuff and then ultimately it you know erupted into what it did but anyways uh that yeah so you know me, me, i've never cared for that storyline i'll be honest never cared for the shadow king yeah well i mean i wonder if given a proper treatment this would be more memorable but unfortunately with everything going on at the, at the time, were you reading these at the time? Uh, that's a good question. I don't remember. Because X-Men 1 was right around the corner. I mean, probably I was reading these at the time because uh, I was definitely there for X-Men 1 and probably had been recollecting for, I don't know, three, four, five months before the launch of X-Men 1. So I would have bought that issue new on the shelf. But, it, you know, that was also at a time where I would just read the issue and just, you know, bag it, board it, throw it in the box. And then I'd go back to the older stuff and be like, I really like this older stuff. <laughs> so I don't really remember much about this issue. 
I guess if yeah, if it it comes out and everybody knows that X Men One is coming, then it still just feels like, all right, we're just wrapping it up. Yeah, we're just killing time till the 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 release of that super valuable. I'm going to retire when I'm older, so I better buy ten copies of X Men Number One release. (laughs) (laughs) Well, anyways, uh, let's look at Wolverine Number Forty Four. This was uh this was one of them their filler issues. It's by the same creative team that's I gonna write the next issue of X Factor. P- oh, Peter David yeah. and Larry Stroman. I don't know how long Larry Stroman stays on X Factor, but he is definitely one of the people to go over the to the image side. Um, I don't know when though. He's got a unique art style, and I, I'm not sure that I care for it. It's 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 interesting that this this opens with a Sylvester page. Yes, of that kind of continues off from where he was in the last issue. Um, so they're trying to tie this into Wolverine stops what he's doing between the last issue and has a flashback. Right, Central Park, nice pond, but me and water don't mix. So let me tell you why. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, it's a decent story. It's okay. Yeah. I mean, he's on a cruise. There's these single ladies that are pregnant and there's something on board the ship that's killing all of these pregnant women. He's felt a connection or made a connection to these ladies uh, in, in a friendly sort of fashion. Uh, and there's also a uh, psychic uh, uterus that keeps coming to talk to him. Yes. Not a uterus. Uh, Not like a uterus. an embryo. Or a, a, uh, uh, I don't know. What is a preformed baby? Well, a zygote? I don't know. It's not a fetus. It's not an embryo. It's it's somewhere, it, is, it is a fetus. It's a fetus. It's somewhere between a fetus and a baby. Okay. Anyway, it's communicating with them, and it's like the monster's coming to get me. You got to stop it. It's three months into the pregnancy. Whatever that is, that's inside of a woman is visiting him. Uh, and this psychic baby, I think, is from Rachel. Or uh, there's three ladies. Uh, two of them will die. Uh, not not Rachel, Rachel, but no. a lady named Rachel, lady named, and uh, a third one will live. And uh, I don't know. It's kind of a nice story because you know he he ends up saving the day. He has a an issue well, in the water. Two women and die, but he does end up saving the day, right? Uh, and then he makes a a good connection with the lady, the third lady. Um, and I would assume that I guess they they kind of become friends. Well. Oh. Yeah, I mean, I don't know that we ever see this lady again. No, we don't. But from a story, or if you were to see this as a movie, you would just assume that they become friends. And yeah, I, obviously the baby is, and we're gonna we're gonna assume that the baby is a mutant that is probably a telepath. It's able to communicate with Wolverine, who's on a cruise for some reason. Seems like Wolverine wouldn't be a cruise type of guy, but whatever. No, I'm fine with that. Uh, and yeah, and then. Yeah, they they form a connection because he saves her life by locking her in a cabin. He's got he's got a nice line. He's like, Gretchen, I'm one of these guys who's had a real first hand idea of just how big the universe is, and I got me a feeling that the baby you're carrying in you is gonna be bigger than both of us. You know something, Logan? I think you're right. She says, and a nice. Nice image. That portrait seems to be what we'll ultimately end up seeing in later issues of X Factor. So I'm interested to see how that plays out because I never bought any of the Peter David X Factors. I bought the first one. I might have bought that one. Yeah, it's, I don't think and I read I it. I liked it. And I think I bought the second one and I liked it. But then I just kind of was like, eh, I got too much stuff going on. Right. And I always, 
I always wanted to go back and figure out if it was any good. It, it was it was a thing where probably the writing was I like I always like Peter David's writing. Mm-hmm. It's fun. It's fast. It's clever. Um, I think the art was probably what took me out of it because it is not your typical art. And right. It, and it's not even like like I like weird art, but it wasn't wasn't like good weird art for me personally. It's not Mike Mignola or uh, people like that that have a or Sam Key that have a very distinct and different style. Yeah. So I mean I shouldn't say that because Larry Stroman has a very distinct style as well. For me, it was borderline bad art, which you know, looking back on it now, that was just my limited view of right. things back in the day. But you know, the the line between good art and bad art is subjective. It's all subjective, but I think for me, anyways, it wasn't. It wasn't Jim Lee. Yeah, probably. Probably <laughs> that had something to do with it too. Or Todd McFarlane or Raw. It wasn't our superstars. It was weird looking art. So I don't think I really cared about art until Jim Lee. I didn't really give it much thought either. Uh, you know, when I was originally reading comics, I knew the that comics s- were there just to tell a story, and the art served to that story. But after Jim Lee and probably Todd McFarlane, it was the art sort of became more important than right. the story. Right, and the only thing I would just add to that is some of the earlier X Men that I was reading, uh, I liked all the stories. Some art I didn't prefer as much as other art, but it, I never, I didn't. I never looked at those credits <laughs> to understand that like, oh, this team does this style and this team does this style. I'd be like, ah, the art just had an off. The artist just had an off off month. That's why the art looks weird in this issue. <laughs> yeah, but, probably probably the same. I don't I, as I didn't really think of the artists as people just sort of as uh, I don't know. Your, your, your view as a child is different than as an adult, I guess. We had shallow views of art. Yeah, I hadn't I hadn't formed any artistic values at that point in my life. Correct, same. So that takes us to Avengers number three thirty six, which I skimmed and didn't care about. Yeah, you didn't really have to read it. I mean, <laughs> uh, Beast is in it, and Beast is with the Collector, and uh, I think Wonder Man and Quasar or somebody, and uh, they are they're tiny, and they're traveling through the Collector's collection looking for some sort of clues as to why the uh, how the the world conquering race that was just going through the collector's collection managed to break out and they're looking for anything that'll help the avengers stop them because they are a worldwide menace at the moment that is uh not that the avengers are having a lot of trouble dealing with so it, it's you know it's enjoyable if you like your uh, what are those old sci-fi movies where they shrink people down? Oh, it's basically that Honey, they meet I a sh- tribe of people and they fight them at first. And then they realize that they have a mutual enemy. And so they work together. Yeah. The eternal show up at the end. Yep. Yeah. So yeah. it's, it's an ongoing story. So I don't know how long beast will be in it, but you know, whatever. And then that takes us to Infinity War. Infinity Gauntlet. Sorry, Infinity Gauntlet number two, which Infinity has War is coming up next. A brief cameo by Wolverine and some post posters, images of some X Men. So if you're if you're unfamiliar with 
the movie Infinity War, <laughs> Thanos just snapped his fingers and now half the population of the universe has disappeared. Yeah. And, and uh, the poster of people that have disappeared is interesting in that it's all of X Factor except for Cyclops. Yeah. Uh, all of the Fantastic Four, all the New Warriors, all of Alpha Flight, um, Quicksilver. Uh, what other mutants? Dagger, but not Cloak. Right. It it's just people they didn't want to whose whose stories weren't being affected by this. <laughs> yeah, people they didn't want to deal with, I guess, in the issue. But um, they do say no word from X Men or Excalibur. Maybe they're off planet. So maybe who knows? There's a video image of Storm, which you know once again confirms that uh, that whole not being able to be detected by mechanical devices is is completely gone. Well, maybe it's just a photo. Oh, okay, sure. It looks like Storm standing next to Forge, but maybe... It's a photo for the files. Sure, that's fine. Because there's another one with Jubilee, uh, Psylocke, Colossus, and Shadowcat, which just feels like they took a group photo one day. Pip the Troll, whoever that is, is watching ALF. That's fun. Yeah, that was was fun. But yes... uh, Thanos snaps his fingers half the in po- the other problem with this is that none of this ripples into like the mainstream comics this is all well I, I guess I don't know this this doesn't ripple into the X-Men I have no idea if uh, Fantastic Four Avengers or Spider-Man are dealing with any of this snap stuff presumably some are and some aren't it's like any event it's probably takes place at a certain you you have to figure out in continuity where this took place Wolverine in his street clothes saves a woman and her child from a collapsing building. Yeah, that's essentially his his cameo. Um, he says, well, she says, you saved our lives. That's right, lady. But it remains to be seen if I did you any real favor because the whole city's coming down. Mm-hmm. And that's it. I never, I guess I can't say that. I think I had maybe the first issue of Infinity Gauntlet. Just because it was a number one, and I was like, ooh, it's a number one, I'll buy it. I think I bought the first two issues as well, and then stopped. So that's it for this week. And the Eternals show up at the end of this, too. The Eternals so are everywhere. Eternals are very useful in the Avengers world, apparently. Galactus is in this issue. Yeah, yeah. As, as well fun. as, is that Ego, the living planet, or... Some, Probably some some space thing. It's always this is cosmic, so yeah, lots of space things. Right, no celestials that I saw, but other lots of uh, other space Asgard. Things. Oh, that's fun. I like this sort of thing, but he doesn't really connect at all to the X Men. I don't. I don't think they dabbled in this at all. I'm curious to see if Wolverine was in it because he has something to do. I bet she's got something to do. Maybe he's like the street level helper. Cause this all seems to be focused around like Iron Man and other Avengers doing things. Well, I will be, uh, keeping, keeping our readers posted for whatever reason may not be what you want, but it's what you're getting. (laughs) All right. Well, that's, uh, that's it. Uh, if you want to get a hold of us, you can do so by visiting www.xmenpodcast.com. Going out to facebook.com forward slash danger room podcast, twittering us at danger room go, emailing us danger room at xmenpodcast.com. Go out to iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts to like and subscribe and 
leave little bits of feedback. Uh, go out to patreon.com slash danger room to view our, I don't know, special content. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, yeah, the special content. So special. Yeah. We're going to talk about Zelda. Mm, yeah. So there's that. Our theme music is provided by Laszlo Hollyfeld. Adam, do you have anything else to add to this one? Yeah, if you ever wanted to hear two uh, uh, old men in the uh, experts in the field of X Men talk about video games from the 1980s, then you know where to go. Patreon. <laughs> I mean, it's not going to be there for a couple of weeks, but you know, Patreon, or weeks or month, I don't know. Yeah, but it, it's coming. And believe me, we've got some crazy things planned. You never know who's going to show up. Hint, it's probably <laughs> nobody. Uh. <laughs> we've got Shigeru Miyamoto. Uh, he's going to talk about Mario Brothers with us. That's amazing. How did we get that? Uh, I'm lying. We did not get that. Oh, jeez. He will not be in the podcast. I totally fell for it, too. <laughs> That's, what a sucker. That's why I like you, Adam. You'll believe anything. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, then, uh, until next time, my name's Jeremy. My name's Adam. And the danger room is closed. 